0: Hello, and thank you for tuning in to Calvary Life DFW's weekly podcast. We hope that these messages encourage and inspire you in your personal journey with Jesus. Enjoy the message. Good morning. Good morning. morning. Everybody sleep well? Yeah. Some of y'all didn't, I know. I know that's not true. My wife didn't sleep well last night, and that's all right. We're here, had a little coffee feeling good. Before we start, let's go ahead and pray for Pastor Steve. He has a blood clot in his leg, uh, and he's he hobbling around. And he's not that old, so he shouldn't be hobbling around that much. So, So everybody just stretch your arm out to Pastor Steve, and let's pray for him. Father, Lord, we thank you for this morning. We thank you that we get to gather in this place in one body and one mind. Father, Lord, we just ask on our behalf of our brother, Pastor Steve, I pray, Lord, you would look on him with mercy. I pray, Lord, you would heal this blood clot in his leg. I pray, Lord, you would show how powerful you are through him, God, not so that we're glorified, so that you're glorified, Lord. So, Lord, I pray, Lord, you would touch him. I pray, Lord, you'd heal that leg and send him out walking straight. We ask this in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen Amen and amen. Hallelujah. If you have your Bibles, head to Philippians chapter 4. Now, Pastor Gwynmar, I'm not going to contradict you at all, but let's talk about 2020 for a minute, okay? 2021. 2020 has been, how can we describe it? Does somebody want to describe it in one word for me? Really? Challenging. Very good. What else? Challenging. Any other words? Surprising. Surprising for sure. Anything else? One more. Stressful and terrible. Not terrible. It's been terrible. Now, I have something encouraging to, to start with. 2020 has been a rough year, but let me remind you. There was a civil war in the 1800s that was quite terrible, right? Right? 620,000 men, women, lost their lives, okay? World, World War I, World War II were awful, more even more worse than 2020. And let's just take it a step further for fun, for pandemics. The Black Plague in the 1300s killed 20 million people, or the third of the population of Europe. So this has not been the worst year that's ever been, but it most certainly has been a challenging year nevertheless. However... Not to be a Debbie Downer, but when I read this book, the whole book, everything, start to finish, I don't see the human condition and the earthly condition getting better. It only gets worse. And this is encouraging to me because God told us ahead of time. We don't have to be unsure. It's going to continue to get worse as we progress towards the end until Christ returns and restores all things. And that gives me great hope. The world is aimlessly wondering if it's going to get better. They're not sure. But we open this book and we know for sure at the end, God will have the last word. So as we head into 2021, I don't want us to just assume that it's going to be better. I pray that it, will, it would. But if it gets worse, we can still have the same hope. So the world's saying, I hope it gets better, let's, let's, let's love each other more, be kind, treat everything nicely, but their motives are different. Mm-hmm. The world wants to create a utopian society that just lasts forever and ever. That's not what's happening. This is not what I see in the word of God. And, and the reason I mention this is because this year I've been trying to read through all the, all the scriptures. And I've been heavy in the prophets this year. They always scared me as a kid because they were long and it was just kind of weird. I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about, Jeremiah. But as I have, have been disciplined in trying to work through the, the prophets, I just see an, over, an overarching motif that just reappears. The day of the Lord. It's coming. The day of the Lord, the ever ever closer day of the Lord is coming. And it's very soon. But this should not dishearten us. We should take great joy. Our King is coming. Amen? Amen. Now, now, one may ask, why did things got to be like this? Why do why, why you got to talk about how it's going to be bad? Well, uh, I mean, here's the thing. The human condition, right, death, decay, disease, is caused by sin. We see that in the book of Genesis, right? And that is what has caused all of this terrible thing that is transpiring in the world. Has been happening for thousands of years and will continue to transpire, right? Not only the humans, humanity is suffering, the world itself is groaning, wanting to be renewed. Don't you think the world doesn't like the pandemic, right? Like the world wants to be renewed to its perfected state. And that's where we're heading. We're, we're, the body of Christ is a part of this beautiful narrative. And we get to be a part of the journey as we head towards that goal. Amen. Therefore, this is what I have to say. We cannot expect the human earthly condition to get better on its own. Rather, we may make most of the time that God has entrusted us with. Amen. No one gets to choose when they're born. Okay? People were born during World War II. My great great grandmother's my 96 years old. She has seen a lot. She was alive when Hitler was alive, and now she is alive when FaceTime's alive. So it's kind of weird. Like, I FaceTimed her last week, and she's just confused. So anyways. But we don't get to choose where we're born. But God places us there by his sovereign and divine hand so that we can live in whatever time period that we're placed in. So this morning, Pastor G shared out of Habakkuk in our servant circle, and I actually want to share of how to Habakkuk to start. So Habakkuk 2.4, that is a hard name to say. Habakkuk. Sounds like I'm saying tobacco. That didn't, that, I didn't need to say that. Okay. <laughs> Habakkuk 2-4. This is what it says. It says, look, the one whose desires are not upright will faint from exhaustion, but the person of integrity will live because of his faithfulness. Paul uses the same verse in Romans 1.17. Paul, in the book of Romans, is writing to the Roman church, and the verse 16 and 17 is the hinge of the book. And in verse 17, he says this, For the righteousness of God is revealed in the gospel from faith to faith, just as it is written, the righteous by faith will live. So what am I saying? We are people of faith who live by what? Faith, right? Habakkuk said it, Paul Paul exclaimed it a little bit louder, okay? So does this mean in our faith that we we become hermits and we get in our little bunkers and eat snacks? Of course not. We continue to live because we read this, we're on mission regardless of what is transpiring. All right? So in saying all that, that is the preface. I, I just want us to have a mindset, and I don't say that to be a Debbie Downer, I do hope 2021's better. I'm having a daughter. I'm very excited, and she's going to be born in 2021. Who knows but the Lord, what's in store. But I do know if we we actually believe this, we can have real hope hope. that the world doesn't have. As Pastor G says, we're hope dealers to the world. So the title of this message, it's really good. It is The Secret to Contentment for 2021. So we're going to close out 2020 and the title of this message is The Secret to Contentment for 2021. told you a few minutes ago, we're going to be in Philippians chapter 4, and we'll be looking at verses 10 through 14, okay? But let's pray real quick. Let's pray over the Word of God. Father, Lord, we thank you for this morning. We thank you that you have given us your Word that has been preserved for thousands of years. These great words of truth and wisdom I pray, Lord, we would open up our hearts and our minds to receive what you have to say to us as we close out a year that you've given us that we're thankful for, as we step into the next year that you are foreseeably giving us. God, we are so thankful for your word. Illuminate it to our eyes. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen and amen. Now, we haven't been studying the book of Philippians as a church, so I think it's important for me to preface it with a little context of where the book's written, why was it written, and stuff like that. So, all right, first fact, fun fact, ready? Book of Philippians was written in A.D. 61 by Paul, while while Paul is in Rome in a prison cell. Very cool, okay? And then the city of Philippi was a strategic city for Paul to preach the gospel in. It was named after Alexander the Great's father. It's also wonderful how, like, historical figures like Alexander the Great are like, interwoven throughout the Bible. So, like, because some people are like, oh, the Bible's not true. But, like, you can ask them, like, how do you know Alexander the Great? You know what I'm saying? So, like, so we know Philippi, named after Alexander the Great's father. That's where they are, okay? Paul would go to big cities. He would preach the gospel in prayer and hope that the gospel would go forth from the big cities, right? So Paul is has preached the gospel in a strategic city around, around AD 50, AD 51, And Paul was coming through Philippi on his way to Macedonia, as we see in Acts 16. And Paul was really writing this letter as a thank you letter. To a thank you letter to the Philippian church. And because Epaphroditus had brought this offering to Paul. He would come from Philippi to Rome to give them this offering. And Paul's just so blessed and he's so thankful. So he writes them this letter. I like letters. I like writing letters. And Paul was one of the best at it. That was just a sidebar. Anyways, I like writing all my letters on computer paper. No lines. I have terrible handwriting. It's just much more, you know, lovely. Okay, let's continue, okay? Other, other than this being a thank you letter, there's another main theme that kind of uprises in the whole book, and it is this idea that Christ is sufficient. So if Christ is sufficient, we should live the Christian life, as Christ did, with contentment, Because he strengthens us to do so. And if Paul, who had been beaten, shipwrecked, uh, stoned, we could go on. You look in the book of 2 Corinthians to see the wonderful list of things that transpired to him. If he can write this from a prison cell, then I think we should listen. All right? So let's, let's look at Philippians 4, 10 through 14. I'm going to be reading out of the New English translation. So if it sounds different than yours, that's why. Your translation's fine. Just read it. It doesn't matter what you read. Just read it, okay? But we're going to be reading out of this one today. So everybody listen. I'm going to read this kind of as Paul would read it, read it with enthusiasm and with clarity. And this is what the Word of God says. I have great joy in the Lord because now at last you have again expressed your concern for me. Now I know you were concerned before but had no opportunity to do anything. I'm not saying this because I'm in need for I have learned to be content in any circumstance. I have experienced times of need, times of abundance. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of contentment, whether I go satisfied or hungry, have plenty or nothing. I am able to do all things through the one who strengthens me. Nevertheless, you did well to share with me in my trouble. Now, there's four key words that we need to know and understand if we want to understand this passage. Okay, everybody say number one. Number one, the word is care or concerned. Now it doesn't just mean like, ooh, I care about my dog, rough, rough. You know, it's more than that. This is what it means. It means to feel a deep concern for something, then to set one's mind to doing something about it. So if you see a need and you know there's a need, and you feel a deep, you just know, and you feel a deep concern for it, then you do everything in your might and set your mind to doing something about it. And this is what the Philippian church has done for Paul. They have set their mind to something because they saw a deep concern, and they are answering that concern. All right, number two, the second word that's important is the word need. I say, I need more coffee, or I need more chicken. This is not just that need. This need means extreme need due to poverty. Extreme need due to poverty. So it is need elevated, right? Extra need, really. Okay? So we got care, concern. We have need. Then we have the word learned. Everyone say learned. Learned. Now, this is not like, oh, I picked up a book and learned this, or I watched a YouTube video and I learned that. This learned is not really an intellectual thing, but it is more of a moral thing. Let me me read the definition. It means this, and it's used around 25 times in the New Testament. It says this, to learn from experience with the idea of to do habitually. From what I gathered, this is not a natural learning process that can transpire. This is a supernatural work from God to learn something like this. This, it, it, what I can describe it, it's like the school of hard knocks with God in it, okay? Right? Because you're going to learn something by going through the experience, and then because the experience was so hard or so great, you're going to continue to do it. So this is the type of learned. It's not just I picked up a book and read, but you just know it because you've been through it, all right? Then the last word, which is the key word that we've talked about. So we got care, we got need, we got learned, now we got content, Content. English definition, it would be a state of satisfaction or happiness, right? The great band McJagger Jagger, said, I can't get no satisfaction, okay? He's talking about that. But this type of satisfaction is a little bit different. This type of contentment is a little bit different. And it's really odd because this word here that Paul uses twice, he actually only uses it once, but they use it in the second verse pointing to the first verse, but that's neither here nor there. It's only used once in the entire New Testament, and it means this. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna read from a commentary that I gathered because they're smarter than I am, and they can say it better than I can. This is what it says. It says that the Greek for content expresses independent of others or having sufficiency in oneself. Now, that seems contradicting to Christianity, doesn't it? Because it is. And Paul strategically used this word speaking to his audience, meaning that this type of contentment is based on God and God alone. That like, I'm content, I'm self-sufficient because of he who strengthens me. It, it's, it's a contentment that is from God, okay? So it's not idolatrous. It's not like you're making yourself a God relying on your own. It, it basically means I'm content only because of God. I'm only at a state of supernatural happiness because I've learned contentness with God, okay? So it's important we know those words before we get digging into the text, all right? So we got the word learned, content, need, care. Is everybody okay? We're going to keep rolling, okay? If contentment is something, then it must not be something else, right? Contentment is a secret, and Paul's going to tell us, and we're going to get there because he waits the verse 13 to tell us, but there's some things that he, he hints at that are not found. We can't, find these, we can't find contentment in three things, all right? So let's look at verses 10 and 11, and I'm going to read them. I'm going to read through the scriptures a lot so that we can... Well, the scriptures are important, so we're going to read them a lot, okay? This is what it says in verse 10. I have great joy in the Lord, because now at last you have again expressed your concern for me. Now I know you were concerned before, but had no opportunity to do anything. I'm not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content in any circumstance. The first thing we can see here is Paul is talking about the Philippian audience. They've sent him a gift he's very thankful for. It's also been like 10 years since Paul's been in Philippi. So like, seemed like a long time not to get a gift, okay? Right? So Paul is basically saying, hey, thank you all so much for sending your gift. I really appreciate it. And I'm not trying to make you feel bad that you didn't send it earlier but just know that my contentment's not found in you. So the first point that we can learn is contentment cannot be based on others or relationships, right? So our spouse, our mother or father, friend, boss, we cannot determine and find our contentment in them because they're humans and they are sinful and they will fail you. This does not mean we just isolate ourselves and not have friends. It's important to have friends, right? But it's important for us to rely on God more than others for us to make us happy. We've probably been around somebody who only is happy when certain people are around, and when the other people aren't around, they're always in a bad mood, okay? Because it's based on others, right? So Paul's saying, like, I'm, I haven't based my happiness in satisfaction of life off of you all. I just want to let you all know. But I'm thankful for you all. I just want to, let, I want to put that out front, okay? So contentment cannot be found in others or relationships, Then, and then he tells us something else that we can't find contentment in. Let's look at verses 11 and 12 right now. I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I've learned to be content in any circumstance. I've experienced times of need and times of abundance. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of contentment, whether I go satisfied or hungry, have plenty or nothing. The second point we can learn from Paul is that contentment is not found in circumstances seasons, and years. Well, if anything's more relevant in 2020, right, that's one of the important parts. He's saying, like, in any circumstance, like, I haven't found my contentment in that. It hasn't worked because I've had great times of life, and I've had terrible times of life. 2020 has showed us that we cannot just wait on it to get better for us to be happy and a feeling of satisfaction, of contentness. It's not going to happen. Because if you live with this idea of seasonal contentment, right? Let me explain it this way. Well, uh, let me tell a testimony, a personal testimony first, okay? So I am halfway through my senior year in college, three and a half years in, and yes, and I'm very excited to be done. I, I'm 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 happy. To, I'm happy to finish, but I'm ready to be done, okay? and uh, I'm having a baby in about, I'm not, my wife's having a baby in about six weeks, but we, you get what I'm saying, right? Okay, So, so I got a lot of things going on, but over the past few months, I found myself very discontent with life. I'm sitting there like, oh, I'm sick of, staying up all night and writing 17-page papers that I should have started four weeks ago. I, I'm sick of not being able to work a job that I really want to work. I'm thankful for my job, but I'm really not that happy at it. I'm just being honest. I'm thankful for my boss, because my boss is my father-in-law. But I, but I don't, don't want to be like unthankful, but I, I'm just discontent. There's just something not sitting right with me. And, and when I graduate, it'll be better. No, <laughs> that's not true. Because if we wait for the next to make us happy, then we will die still waiting. It's not going to happen. Because you're going to have good seasons and you're going to have bad seasons. And if you live like that, you're going to live like that. Up and down, up and down. Just an emotional roller coaster your whole life. Circumstances and seasons of life cannot be where we derive our contentment from. All right? And I I share that story just to be transparent and honest with you all. Right? Right? So I found myself discontent. I'm trying to learn the secret too. So, all right. So like we've learned that we can't find it in others or people, right? Can't find it in our situation, circumstance, season. And then there's one more thing Paul tells us that we can't find it in as well. Let's look at verses 11 and 12 again. It says this. I'm not saying this because, uh, let me restart. I'm not saying this because I'm in need for I've learned to be content in any circumstance. I've experienced times of need Times of abundance. In any, and, in any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of contentment. Whether I go satisfied or hungry, have plenty or nothing. The third thing we can see here is that Paul does not derive his contentment from money or possessions. So he really hits the big three things in our life. What season we're in, what we got, who we're with. So for Christmas, I wanted a coffee grinder. Okay. I like coffee, you know it, okay? I wanted this coffee grinder called a Baratza Encore. Sounds really fancy, because it kinda is, I'm not gonna lie, right? It, it, it is, it, Baratza is a great coffee grinder brand, and I've been wanting this grinder for eight months, because I want better coffee, because I like coffee, right? And so I knew, because I'm kind of cheap and I'm on a budget, so I'm like, I don't want to buy it now. I could, but I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait till Christmas, and when people ask me what I want, I'll just ask for cash or a gift card, and then I can buy the thing. You know, kind of smart, right? So last week, I got it before Christmas. They let me open my gift before Christmas. I hear UPS at the door. They drop it off. I pick it up. I'm walking it inside like this, like it's a baby or something. And, and then I set it on the counter. And my wife's like videotaping, because I've been talking about it for months. I'm so excited. And I take the scissors, and you do that weird thing when you like flip them open, and they're like sideways. And you're like, and you like cut it right down the middle. And I cut it right down the middle. I flipped open the box. I grabbed it. I ripped open the top of the box. And I kid you not, right when I opened it, I was like, that's it? That's it? I want another grinder. There's some nicer grinders out there. Maybe I should get a nicer grinder and send this one back. I've been waiting on this gift for eight months, this just little material thing. And right when I got it, I was dissatisfied. And if you don't believe me, because I promise you, I am not overly rich, but I know someone who was, and let's see what he has to say. So we're going to go to the book of Ecclesiastes. Okay? Chapter 2. And let's hear what from one of the wealthiest men or the wealthiest man who's ever lived. So, Ecclesiastes, chapter 2, verses 4 through 11. I'm going to get a swig of water, and I'm going to try to read this as Solomon would read it. If you read the book of Ecclesiastes, it has this this tone, so I'm going to try to get that tone out, okay? (laughs) So this is what it says. I increased my possessions, I built houses for myself, I planted vineyards for myself, I designed royal gardens and parks for myself, I planted all kinds of fruit trees in them, I constructed pools of water for myself to irrigate irrigate my grove of flourishing trees. I purchased male and female slaves, I owned slaves who were born in my house, I also possessed more livestock, both herds and flocks more than any of my predecessors in Jerusalem." Hmm. I also amassed silver and gold for myself, as well as valuable treasures taken from kingdoms and provinces. I acquired male singers and female singers for myself. And what gives a man sensual delight? A harem of beautiful concubines. So I was far wealthier than all of my predecessors in Jerusalem, yet I maintained my objectivity, did not restrain myself from getting whatever I wanted, did not deny myself anything that would bring me pleasure, so all my rewards gave me joy. This is, was, was the reward for all my effort. Huh. Yet, when I reflected on everything I had accomplished and all the effort that I expended to accomplish it, I concluded all these achievements and possessions are ultimately profitless. Like chasing the wind, there's nothing gained from them on earth. Dude had it all and more and a little extra. And he just flat out tells us, that ain't it. It's not it. And, and, and Paul just kind of steps on that, and he's just like, it's, I've, had, I've had a lot, I've had a little. Eh. It's, not, it's not the secret. So the secret can't be found in our seasons, it can't be found in our possessions, and it can't be found in others. So, so the three things we are most concerned with are out the door now. So what are we left with? So let's look at verses 11 and 12 again, all right? It says, I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I have learned to be content in any circumstance. I've experienced times of need and times of abundance. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of contentment, whether I go satisfied or hungry, have plenty or nothing. Remember, this contentment is not an intellectual thing you can read from a book and find out, okay? And it's something that just can't be given to one person to another, something that just can't be accessed through a season of your life. Oh, I got it. Or in it, it can't be something that's bought or acquired. He's tore down all these arguments, and it leads us to verse 13. He keeps saying the secret. It's a secret. I got it. It's a secret. Shh, I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you. I mean, he's going to tell us right now. Okay. He's going to tell us in verse 13 what the secret is. So let's find out the secret. Who's excited? You ready? Here we go. This is what it says. Ready? It's a lot. You ready? I'm able to do all things through the one who strengthens me. And then you ask, what does that mean? What does it mean, all things? Does that mean I can make the Lakers squad next year? Play with LeBron and Bronny? No, that's not happening. Okay? Does that mean I'm going to make a couple million this year? Probably not. Okay? (laughs) This verse is used out of context many many times and it literally doesn't mean anything. I'm just being honest, okay? And it certainly isn't Paul's not like having this narcissistic cry like <laughs> I can do all things through him strengthens me. Right. It's me. <laughs> it's me. Cuz remember the word content is not about it, it, the Greek was about the self but it's something else. Actually, this is one of the most humble statements in all the Bible. I'm going to read it again. It says, I'm able to do all things through the one who strengthens me. I wish I had some chains because this is how Paul wrote it. He probably told somebody to write it because he's in chains. He's telling this, I can do all things through the one who strengthens me. I'm in a prison cell, been beaten, been shipwrecked, I died, came back to life, and... I can do all things for the one who strengthens me. Wow, that's good. This is the secret, and that's it. Right. And, 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 and I wish I could just expound more, like another like four points of how to dig it up more, but like I said, it's learned yeah. by a process of walking with Christ. And since it is on the reliance on the Lord alone, Then we learn by the byproduct of trusting in him. So we learn contentment by trusting in him through it, right? So we realize life is much more about being with him, and he alone is our reward and portion. This does not negate us working hard. This doesn't mean we just stay home and pout. But it just simply means that we can operate and go through life, unpredictable life, Unpredictable relationships, unpredictable finances, and it has to be, and, and there's this supernatural like levelness to you. But let me explain it this way: I played football in Virginia on a, on a on a good football team, and one of my coaches always said this, and I, I didn't understand it because he he has this like country accent, and he, we're from Virginia, so you know what I'm saying. And uh, the way he said it, I, I, he said, "All right, guys, get in here. Come on." Even kill. Got to stay at it. Even kill. Not too high, not too low. Even kill. I'm like, what do you mean, coach? What is even kill? Like, if I get a tackle, I'm going to be excited. And if I miss a tackle, I'm going to be mad. But rather, he was just saying, stay right in the middle. Even kill. Something great happened to your life? Thank you, Lord. Something terrible happens in your life? Lord, it's going to be all right. You keep this even kill about you. That's what learning the secret to contentment is. Like I said, Paul is writing this from a prison cell. He's learned it. He's he's an older man in here, and he's learned it. So younger folks and older folks, especially us younger folks, it's going to take some time. It's going to take some time having the people around us when bad things transpire that they say, hey, it's going to be all right. Keep walking with Jesus. I'm walking with Jesus. We're walking together. Look, if, if this ain't the good news, I don't know what is. Yes. Two days ago, we celebrate the coming of a little baby. Right. That's the good news. He has come. Right. So if you're waiting on life to make you happy, you're going to miss it. Right. You missed it, you're going to miss it, and you're going to miss it again. Because right. that hope, that contentment of life, what does this all mean? It's already come. Right. Came in the form of a child, right. and if we're not careful... We, can, we could live the Christian life being discontent throughout the whole thing. Or if you don't know Christ, you'll meet him at his second return and then you will be discontent. I promise you that. Like I said, I keep reading this book. It's all here. God's love is here, but God's also just. He's a holy God. It's the most descriptive word for God. So when, when I read this, I can do all things for the one who strengthens me. It means that you have to have a relationship with Christ to do so. So if you don't know Christ, if you're listening online, you do not know Christ. If you're here and you don't know, don't know Christ, you will never have real contentment unless you start walking with the Lord Jesus Christ. You can, you can front, you can fake, it's going to run out. Okay, I, I just want to put that forward. And Christians, us older ones who are, are, who are working towards maturity, we can literally live our whole life discontented, upset. I know things are going to transpire. 2020, I know people here in this room have had some of the worst years of their lives, right? But through it all, we can learn to be content. Amen. So this is the secret of t- contentment for 2021. Right. 2022, and however long till, you know, it, lo- it lasts. Let's, let's wrap up this passage of Scripture, with verse 14, because we can't, we can't leave it out. Paul concludes saying, nevertheless... You did well to share with me in my trouble. So it's like, he gives this thank you letter, then he like, he's like, Bleh. he like gives all this, all, like, all this awesome information. and sure, Then he's like, nevertheless, thank you for partnering with me. So and he wraps it back up just saying thank you for the ministry. And, and I think we can learn a few things from that. Paul's just thankful regardless of the situation. Paul wants the church to give towards needs that are important for the church. But Paul just wraps it up. And just says, I- I'm just thankful for you all. Nevertheless, regardless of everything, thank you.